2: And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about opt-outs. Devin Funchess opting out amid a slew of opt-outs. The deadline for players to opt-out is August. And uh, Greg Rosenthal over at NFL Media said that he expects that deadline to be pushed. We are going to talk about the, the Aaron Rodgers stuff tomorrow. I almost said the Brett Favre stuff. Wow. Uh, there was a, a cool tweet going around that uh, Bart Starr was with the Packers 16 years. Brett Favre was with the Packers 16 years. And this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' 16th year with the Green Bay Packers. So uh, we're going to talk about that and the QB tiers tomorrow, assuming there's not more breaking news. Um, so that that is the thing that we have to start with. Devin Funchess announced via Instagram on Tuesday that he was opting out of the season. One of a number of relatively high-profile anyway, NFL players who will do the same. Eddie Goldman, the nose tackle for the Chicago Bears, Michael Pierce, the Minnesota new free agent defensive lineman, a host of Patriots players, including Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, are opting out, and this is something that we're going to see more of. And players have a couple of different options. There is a medical option and a non-medical option. Uh, for the Packers, Devin Funches, his signing bonus will count on the cap this year, and then he will, in 2021, uh, be available to them. That same contract, the rest of it anyway, will be available in 2021. The impact on the team is almost secondary here because this is such a strange situation, and it feels weird to talk about the football impact of everything. So let's frame it this way. There is now a group of people, media, fans, etc., who are playing the I told you so game. I told you the Packers should have drafted a receiver. Whatever happened in the draft was not materially impacted by the Packers signing Devin Funches. So this whole conversation really is moot. The Packers didn't go into the draft and say, we have Devin Funchess and therefore we're going to punt on the receiver position in the draft. That's not what happened. So the fact that Devin Funchess is opting out really has no bearing on what they did or would have done in the draft. Given what was paid, I liked the contract because of what his upside was, but Devin Funchess was never likely to be. And certainly not planning from the team standpoint. He was not a cornerstone piece. That was not what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be a flyer. Someone with some upside who could not only live up to that contract, but exceed it. That was why I liked the contract at the time. But if you go back and you look at what happened, Green Bay signed Devin Funches but all the reporting and the, the comments made by guys like Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst around the draft was they wanted someone early. Aaron Rodgers said in a teaser interview with Kyle Brandt for Spotify that he thought he knew, in fact, that the Packers liked Brandon Ayuk, he liked Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and the Packers traded up for someone. The receivers started to fall away. And my position on all this has always been that they wanted a receiver, they had a cutoff point in mind, they traded up to try and get Brandon Ayuk, they got scooped, and the reason they traded up and were happy to trade up was not just that they wanted Ayuk, it was that Jordan Love was another player they really, really coveted. They were happy to have one of those players. So the, the draft played out in a weird way. And they made a decision that after the first two rounds, the guys on their team were better than any options that they could bring in. This is key because it signals to us that the team feels a different kind of way about the players on the roster already than the outside world does. They feel differently than fans and media. They felt like their developmental players are better than the third, the fourth, the fifth round picks that they could have made. Now, whether or not that all turns out to be right, we don't know. And whether or not the wisdom of doing that and instead drafting someone like Josiah DeGuara, we don't know. I don't think that any of the explanations that we've heard are right that all of a sudden the Packers are going to become some run-first team. Uh, It doesn't seem that way. And, of course, they took a quarterback. So it would be weird if you're going to become a run-first team and then your first-round pick is a trade-up for a quarterback. Those things are at odds with one another. They do not follow. So when you look at now the offseason and you say, oh, well, the Packers were dumb to do a thing, well, if you think that now, you had to have thought that then. And and let's be honest, most of the people who think that now thought that then. It does feel like it's just an excuse to say, hey, remember, the Packers didn't draft anyone. And to that I say, yeah, you're right. But Devin Funches playing or not playing this year really doesn't have any bearing on that outcome. So why is it being brought up again now? If you want to have a discussion about The guys on the roster who could be out there now, I think that's a worthy conversation to be had. Are there still trades to be made? You know, the Texans, they've got Brandon Cooks. They've got Randall Cobb. They've got Will Fuller. They've got Kenny Stills. Can Kenny Stills, can we reignite the trade conversation there? Is that something the Packers would be interested in? It's certainly something that I think would make sense for both sides, especially if they're going to try and go all in. If Aaron Rodgers' time really is coming to an end in a year or two, then you want to try and maximize that window now. Kenny Stills is the kind of player who could be good for Jordan Love in two, three, four seasons as well. Still a young player. Taylor Gabriel is still out there. Has familiar with Matt LaFleur's system, played with him in Atlanta, and already knows the division because he was a Chicago Bear. That could be something that the Packers consider and has the kind of skill set, deep speed, all that stuff, that Green Bay could use I've been advocating the Packers kick the tires there for a long time now once they signed Funches, it was just sort of like well they don't need both well now they don't have Funches. so now here's your opportunity to get Taylor Gabriel and put him in a position where he can succeed does he need to be someone who catches 60 balls next year no But could he become someone that comes in and and gives you some vertical passing that gives you some third down productivity? Yes. I think, though, we overvalue this idea of, oh, they need a slot type or they need a speed type. Yeah, they they need some more speed, I think, on the perimeter. Devin Funches was not going to provide that. Their counter to that is to say, well, instead of speed, uh, it's a matchup thing, and we're going to try and win with matchups. It is worth pointing out here. And I have made this point on Twitter and elsewhere that when you look at the way the 49ers built their roster, when Kyle Shanahan got there, they didn't have receiver talent. And in fact, as recently as the middle of last season, they didn't really have any receiver talent. But you know what they did have? They had positional versatility with George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. They had a huge investment in the run game. And they were building a defense. Is that really that dissimilar from where the Packers are now? The Packers already have an advantage because they have a stud running back that they don't have to invest in right this minute. They have a receiver who is already better than the guys that the 49ers are hoping will be good. Debo Samuel is not Devontae Adams. Brandon Ayuk is not Devontae Adams. And Emmanuel Sanders no longer plays there. They had to make a trade to bring someone in they built the foundation of what that offense wants to be and then started to add peripheral pieces so if the hope is that Josiah DeGuara can be use check or use check plus and you have Sternberger and maybe he's not going to be George Kittle because no one is George Kittle but he gives you that pass-catching threat, that versatile piece who can play in line, who can split split out and allow you to play big, and you have the running game already in place, an elite offensive line, and you have a receiver playmaker. The Packers in terms of the Shanahan model did this a little bit backwards because they had the playmakers. They needed to build a little bit in the trenches. You bring in Billy Turner, you add now, you know, this is going to be two off-seasons where Matt LaFleur has presided over a tight end going in the first three rounds. They get a running back in the second round. They're trying to build in reverse, in a way, what the 49ers did. They have to fortify the trenches because they have some skilled players. They didn't have to go spend money on Jarek McKinnon or Tevin Coleman. They have Aaron Jones. They didn't have to trade up for Brandon Ayuk. They have Devontae Adams. Now, of course, the 49ers traded up for Brandon Ayuk to get a compliment to Debo Samuel. And that's what Packer fans and, and you know, media are looking for is that compliment. Well, okay, I yeah, totally understand that. But the foundation of the offense also is lacking pieces. So rather than build the ancillary pieces in, the, in this offense, in some ways, that's what they are. You you need to fortify the baseline. It's like Ted Thompson early in his career saying, "Okay, uh, the three-four defense need an interior defensive lineman who can anchor this. Justin Harrell, B.J. Raji, find the guy that can come in and anchor. Even if okay, you know there you could use another pass rusher, you could use some of these other pieces. No, the foundation needs to be set. That is the idea anyway." That the Packers are going with. Is it something that I subscribe to necessarily? Mm, mm, I don't know. I understand I understand the intent. I understand the, the idea. And, and the apparent wisdom of it. And I do think there is there is value in building a team that that looks the way you want it to look. And that at its core can do all the things that you want it to be able to do if you want to be a team that plays a lot of 12 and 21, if you want to be a team that uses play action a bunch, and and you're a team that can scheme your guys open, that you can use that. I mean, Kyle Shanahan with Nick Mullins and Marquise Goodwin put together a really good offense. Now, we don't know if Matt LaFleur as a schemer, as a play designer and a play caller is in Kyle Shanahan's world yet, but it's the same premise in terms of the style of offense. They were able to do some things Two years ago, with Marcus Mariota, who became who lost his job and is now a backup quarterback, and receivers who are now either backups or cut, and they were still able to win a bunch of games. So it's the kind of thing that if you're the Packer, Devin Funches was a toy, he was a, a secondary piece, and he was a low cost secondary piece. Not having him doesn't change much about what they're outlook or plan was in the offseason and they could replace him with another similar low-cost veteran with some upside someone like Taylor Gabriel but it doesn't fundamentally change anything about what their plan was or would have been and I think furthermore it's just unfair in this climate to say oh well we could have predicted that this would happen that players would be opting out it seemed like in April May that there would be an opportunity for this to all sort of look a lot better that the NFL would have time and this could get figured out and they didn't do it and maybe we should have predicted that but it's not what happened and I I, I don't know that it would even that would have changed the way that anyone
0: went about drafting these players. David Harrison here the locked on Washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings Good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
3: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
2: One of the main reasons why I don't think the Devin Funchess news affects the roster, mm, I don't want to say that much, because it certainly does. I mean, they were planning to have him. He will not be on the field, and he was the one major difference in terms of the actual uh, guys on the team last year. Of course, Equinemia St. Brown comes back. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling will enter the season healthy. And you, know, you have a healthier group with MVS, That all is well and good. And and you lose Geronimo Allison, who was actively hurting your team when he was on the field last year. I think that is addition by subtraction. I said it all season. The biggest reason why I'm not sure that the Funchess News is that big a deal is, number one, I think Jay Sternberger was always going to be the primary big slot weapon in this offense. And I think Alan Lazard was going to be the number two. And if you look at the numbers from last year, we've talked about some of these, but I was going through the Sharp Football Stats season preview, and there were some startling numbers about how good Lazard was last year. Lazard in 2019 was 15th in success rate in the NFL. 15th. So you're talking about one of the best receivers in the league when he made catches at converting them for first downs, at creating big plays. By DVOA, he was 18th in the league. That's defense-adjusted value over average. Better than guys like Michael Gallup, Marvin Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, Keenan Allen, and Debo Samuel. I wrote about this for Agni Packing Company. Go check out the article if you want a little bit more detail here. And you can say small sample size. Great, small sample size. But he only had two fewer targets than MVS and four fewer targets than Geronimo Allison. He was just on the cusp of being the second most targeted receiver on this team. More than that, he finished ahead of Devontae Adams on the team in completion percentage when targeted, in passer rating when targeted, in success rate, and in yards per attempt. And and Devontae Adams had really good numbers in all of those. Al Lazard had a passer rating above 114. He was really good last year, and he didn't get as many opportunities as some of these other guys, but he has the trust of Aaron Rodgers. He proved himself to this coaching staff. He made big plays in big spots, and the hope would be with another offseason that he gets to prove himself. Now, I think he's hurt a little bit by not having a normal training camp, by not having a normal offseason because he could have come out in OTAs and just taken the bull by the horns. And said, This is my job now. I'm receiver two. Stop rotating MVS in. Stop rotating Jake Kumaro in. Devin Funches, it's good to see you, my guy, but this is not going to work out. I'm receiver two on this roster. Now, not having Funches means that, okay, now you're not competing with a similar type guy and to to accomplish similar type things. So if you need someone to work the middle of the field to use his big frame, red zone targets, those kinds of things, now that opportunity is open for Lazard to take. He's not going to be in the game to run similar kinds of routes or attack the field in similar kinds of ways as MVS on a regular basis. Now, of course, you can't be predictable by personnel, so some of this stuff has got to look the same. But the coaches know what guys are good at and what they're not good at. And Lazard can be a a big play threat. He can be out there and run some of these play-action shot plays. We saw it against the Lions in Week 17. In each Lions game, that was the lead to my story. No one has to convince the Detroit Lions that Alan Lazard is a good player because he torched them twice and and against their best cornerbacks. So it's not like he hasn't played against anyone. It's not like he was in the exhibition season going up against – you know, future footlocker managers. No. He went up against legitimate number two corners in a lot of these games and and some number ones when they slid Devontae Adams in the slot when defenses weren't traveling. So it's not like he hasn't seen anyone. He's seen real NFL defenses and put up stats. And when you look at the size... Runs 4-5, the ability to make leaping grabs. He wasn't super consistent last year with his hands. That's the one area you'd like to see him get better. It wasn't really a problem at Iowa State. He caught everything in college. But what did we talk about last week with Drew Lieberman of Sideline Hustle? That the game changes the more experience you get, the poise. And the poise is about playing with confidence. It's about knowing where to be. It's about not being intimidated by the moment. And sometimes that can just throw off your focus a little bit when you're still going out there and you're having to prove it. Now you've removed an obstacle. You've allowed Lazard's path to success to be a little clearer. And now he can go out and the the barrier of poise even lowers a little bit because he doesn't have to work quite as hard. And so if you told me, and remember, I said this a couple weeks ago. I, this is You can check the tape on this. For those of you that like to keep receipts, the Bears fans that that come through, we actually have a couple fans from other teams that listen to this show regularly, and I think it's great. Thanks for listening. Um, I, I said a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago maybe, that if Equinemius St. Brown was third on the team as a receiver in targets, I wouldn't be surprised because Lazard would be two. The best lineup, to me, that the Packers can put out there in terms of pure talent and in terms of the guys that I think have the best chance to be really good players. It's Alan Lazard, it's EQ, and it's Devontae Adams. And I thought that was true even when Devin Funches was on the roster. And you know how I know that that's what I thought? Because I said it. It's on wax. All right, not literally, but it's on your phone. Go check. My mom texted me about it, of all things. And that is an opportunity now that the Packers can do that. And I think it would make them dangerous because any of those guys can be a slot receiver. I think EQ as a big slot is dynamite. I think Lazard is probably a primary outside receiver, but he can work the middle of the field. You allow him to attack linebackers and put guys in difficult positions on slants and digs and posts. I mean, some of his best plays last year We're on post routes, attacking the middle of the field. Devontae Adams can play in the slot, can play outside. All three of those guys can be anywhere. So now, all of a sudden, in 11 personnel, if you have Jace Sternberger on the field with those those guys, they can play anywhere. Jace can be on the line. He can be in the backfield. He can be in the slot. And any of those receivers can play X. They can play Y. They can play Z. They can play anywhere you want them to be. That kind of flexibility... With the kind of talent that those guys have, EQ, size, speed, and and run-after-catch ability, I think that's tantalizing. Now, is it something that can coalesce right away? No, probably not. And you're probably going to continue to see a rotation of players. You're still going to see Kumaro and MVS and those guys get gets shots. But to me, Lazard has elevated himself above all of those players. Everyone else is still trying to get in the packing order, get in where they fit in. Lazard already did that. And to me, he is the number two receiver on this team. I think he can be a very good number two receiver on this team. If he gets 80 plus targets, I mean, I think he can put up some sort of like 50, 807 kind of season and solidify himself as a legitimate starting receiver, good starting receiver in the NFL, which the underlying numbers from last year already say he was in a in a small ish sample size, not even that small. Because he's still got 50-plus targets. It's not like he got nothing. And that is going the whole first month of the season without really playing. So imagine if he gets 16 starts and he gets 80, 100 targets. He could have a big season because he's not just a big guy. He is a big-time talent. doesn't matter what the undrafted free agent moniker usually implies. We've seen it on the field. I don't care about draft pedigree anymore. We've seen it on the field.
1: This episode is brought to you by WISE. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try Wise for free at WISE.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shell.
2: or we're going to do everyone's favorite thing tomorrow and talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about the QB tears. We're going to talk about the interview heard around the world. No, not even really. That's the thing. The interview wasn't really that big a deal, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to parse it because that's what we do. It is uh, July, and that's what we do in the NFL. But let me just say up front, it wasn't that big a deal. And we're going to talk about why. Uh, so if, if you want me to get dramatic, uh, don't. I'm not going to. It's not going to happen. But we are going to talk about it, and I do think it sets up some interesting discussions moving forward. By the way, I didn't, I didn't mention it earlier, but uh, Adams, EQ, Lazard could also be the starting receivers for this team in, you know, let's say, two years when when Jordan Love takes over. You have Jay Sternberger. Who knows what the running back situation is but that's that's a pretty good group that that group is is solid uh so just just something to keep in mind remember you can follow me on twitter peter underscore bukowski keep an eye out for uh, more news around players that are and aren't going to be around Lazard, Devontae adams aaron jones have all reported to camp i saw that uh our friend bailey burmaster over um green bay tv media uh, reported that, so I, I didn't think it was going to have to be the kind of thing where we had to do the play-by-play of who's showing up. But because there are going to be guys opting out, and there will be more Packers who do so, uh, that we we probably do need to take a little bit of a roll call to see who has already said, "Hey, I'm here," and hopefully that means we're going to have a season um, and, th- and that we're going to get this going. So follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.